the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. A little boy once asked his dad, Dad, what's a man? The dad answered, A man is someone who is responsible and cares for their family. And the little boy said, I hope one day I can be a man just like mom. (laughs) A daughter once asked her mother, Mom, what is like to have the greatest daughter in the world? The mother said, I don't know, dear. You have to ask your grandma. We probably all agree with this one here. Supermoms, right? If we really went into the closet of supermoms, we probably would see something like that. And that's really the spirit I wanted to bring to today's Mother's Day message. As you know, um, I might remember a couple of years ago, I shared with you, you that I always made sure when Mother's Day came along that I had a guest speaker speaking and I had a Sunday off. <laughs> Not because I flew back home to Switzerland to meet with my mom, just because I couldn't put together a Mother's Day message for me. I just tried to avoid it. And for 10 years, I was successful. And as soon as I started here, I felt, well, it's time for me to take the plunge. That's also the reason why I found this poem, because it reflects really um, a lot of how, as a minister, I sometimes get to hear uh, very tough stories about women and men about their mothers or about not having a relationship with their mothers or not being able to be a mother. But that doesn't mean that everyone who has a mom that they love and cherish and who is a mom and wants to celebrate the mom today shouldn't do so. So we all should absolutely celebrate our mothers the way we choose. But the reason also why everyone today got the Gerber Daisy is because today we're not only celebrating our mothers, today we're also celebrating our divine motherhood, the divine feminine in all of us. That's why whether you are a man or a woman or otherwise identified, when you came into the door, you got a Gerber Daisy as a symbol of that very important aspect of our spiritual divinity. And so today I want to explore this a little bit through the lens of three women. And what better way to lighten things up than may have a little quiz with you guys. These are the three women starting on the left. Who do you think the one on the far left the woman is. 
Okay. Good idea. Emily Katie, you're thinking about? <laughs> Almost. She's the tough one, but I'll get back to her. But how about the middle one? That should be easier. Myrtle, there you go. Unitix already knew it, right? Myrtle Fillmore. What about the one on the right? Virgin Mary, Mother Mary, correct. So I want to talk a little bit about these three women, starting with the one on the far left. Her name is Anne Larkins. Who knows, uh, sorry, Anne Jarvis. Who knows who Anne Jarvis is? She's very important to this day. Why do you think? She created Mother's Day. She is the one responsible of creating Mother's Day because her mother, before she passed in 1905, asked her or said, my, my wish is that we have a day in our country where we celebrate and honor our mothers. And after she passed, Anne went out there and made it happen in her local community. And after almost 10 years, in 1914, this day was made a national holiday by President Woodrow Wilson. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Anne started resenting Mother's Day after a while because Mother's Day has started turning or started turning into what it is often today, more of a commercial business, a marketing opportunity than anything else. So up until 1948, when she passed, she really didn't like Mother's Day anymore. But she was the one who inspired Mother's Day. Can you imagine that? An American woman inspiring such an important day that's celebrated around the world. This year, it's predicted that on Mother's Day, people will spend $31.7 billion. I hope some of those $31.7 billion will move into our fundraiser today. 84% <laughs> of Americans celebrate Mother's Day. 75% of them purchase flowers and a card. 57% of them will buy lunch or dinner for their mothers. And 27% choose to buy an experience instead of a physical gift. So there's lots going on. It's a huge commercial opportunity, right? And I think it's fair enough to celebrate it and use it, and it's a great way of celebrating our mothers in this way. And why not buy flowers? <laughs> why not buy a card? Why not go out for dinner as long as we have them, right? As long as we can. I'm so grateful for technology because this morning at 5 o'clock, I was calling my mother, not because she's up at 5 o'clock, but in Switzerland, it's 1 o'clock um, at 5. No, 12 o'clock, right around lunchtime. So I was able to talk with her through technology, even though I haven't seen her physically in so many years now, more than five years. Right? So we have definitely more opportunities nowadays to connect. We've got to ask ourselves, how do we want to connect? Are the flowers enough? Are the cards enough? Are buying lunch and dinner enough? 
or is there more to it? How about our own motherly instinct, whether we are women, men, or otherwise? How about celebrating that? How many of us actually stop for a moment and ask ourselves, well, wait a minute, what about me? What about my motherly instincts? Which brings me to Myrtle Fillmore. Myrtle Fillmore, in Unity, co-founder of Unity, is known as the mother of Unity. And she's known by that because Myrtle has this soft touch on the same spiritual message that Charles, her husband, would give. Charles is very intellectual, very down to the point, and almost um, unforgiving sometimes in terms of what he is saying. Myrtle Fillmore has a softer, more of a motherly touch. That's why so many uh, men and women actually resonate with Myrtle so much more than with Charles because she has a gentle way of saying the exact same thing. For example, many do not know this, she uses the term father-mother a lot of the times in her writings or in her talks. She didn't talk that much. She wrote letters mostly, answers to questions that people would have and send in to her. But she would say, father-mother. And that's it. Instead of God. She had this idea, and that's over 100 years ago, that father and mother, they're both very important energies that are describing what God is. Many of us know father-mother God, right? We add God to it. That's not how Myrtle did it. And so that's really the beauty about Myrtle, very subtly, she gives us a very clear message. We're not saying Father, Mother, God because we're not describing God as Father, Mother. We're not giving God an attribute, a male and female attribute. We're actually replacing the idea of God completely with two energies, the mother energy and the father energy. And that's significant. <clears throat> she is defining God rather than describing it. And that takes a lot of courage. If you think that some of those letters were written 90, 80, 90 years ago, she goes in there and says, Father, Mother, instead of God. She's replying to those people who still hold on to a figure outside of themselves and give up responsibility and she comes and talks to Myrtle in this way, and Myrtle very gently comes back and says, Father, Mother, suggesting that Mother is the divine potential that we all have. And that's what we celebrate today, our divine potential. And Father meaning the activity of that potential. And I talked about this briefly before, a few months ago, that one cannot exist without the other. Think about this. If we are only active 
without any potential, then we're just busy, right? And isn't that often our, li our daily lives? We're just busying ourselves with stuff that don't really matter. But once we have potential, once we have the potential to love, to care, to be kind, then that activity of that potential starts meaning something, starts to mean something in our lives and others. The other way works as well. If we only have potential, if there is only potential to be loving and kind, but that's it, we're not doing anything with it, what happens? Nothing. Nothing, right? We need both. And I think that's one of the teachings that Myrtle did that not many get, how she puts God as father, mother, and that's it. It's potential and being able to use that potential. And today we're celebrating the potential that we all are, man, woman, or otherwise alike. We all are divine potential. We already are it. We don't just have it. We literally are that potential. Which then brings me to Mother Mary. Mother Mary shows up several times in the Gospels and even in the later scriptures or earlier scriptures of the Christian scriptures, some of the writings, and she's not that prominent as you would think, and yet she received a lot of attention. And Mother Mary is a very important representative of what Myrtle hundreds of years later represented. Mother Mary is the mother of all. Mother Mary is also known as the mother of God itself. God being Jesus, a flesh form of God itself, and she has been the mother to that, the mother of God. Now we gotta understand what Mary then really means. This didn't happen right away. About in the 17th century, Mary started to become a figure more and more in religion. In fact, when you look at that symbol, the whole picture, do you notice the heart? It's probably a little bit hard to see. What do you notice about that heart? That flowers around it, white roses usually, or lilies, yeah. What else? It's hard to see, right? It has a dagger stuck through the heart. And it has a, a kind of a white light, or it looks more like red around it. That symbolism actually represents what Mother Mary is to our spirituality. The heart on the outside of the body means that Mary not only had the love for herself and her family, but she had love for everyone, love for humanity. She represents the motherly love of God itself. God as potential. She is 
the icon of divine motherhood. The lilies or the white roses surrounding the heart, that means purity. Because only Mary, according to those artists and those who came up with that symbol, has that purity that we need and representing that purity that we need in order to be loving and kind as Jesus taught to love one another. That bright fire around it is connected to a piece in John's Revelation. In Revelation, John talks about the mother of the Son that's represented in there, Mary linked to the Son. And there's all these other symbolisms around it, but the dagger is the one that really is striking, isn't it? Why is there a dagger through the heart? And that dagger, and you have it in your sermon notes on the website, reflects back to the very early days when Jesus was born. In Jewish tradition, the firstborn would be brought to the temple, and then the priest would um, honor and bless the firstborn and give some sort of a prediction or a message about what that firstborn will do. And Simeon was the one who gave a blessing. And among those blessings, he said, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. <clears throat> what Simeon was trying to suggest is that in Mary's future will be a lot of suffering. Suffering to see her son going through his ministry, not just being celebrated, but also being rejected, being judged, and eventually being crucified. In fact, according to the Gospel of John, Mary shows up twice only. First time during the wedding at Cana, which is the first notable miracle that Jesus performed. It's when Mary said and noticed, hey, we're out of wine here after I don't know how many days of celebrating. And Jesus saying, it's not my time yet. And yet he turns water into wine. First, know the miracle. Mary was also there at the end when Jesus was crucified. She was close to the cross when Jesus said to his disciple John, this is my mother. And to Mary, he said, this is my most beloved disciple. And for them moment on, John took Mary into his family and took care of her. She was there at the beginning of the ministry and at the end of the ministry. Mary represents love and kindness that we need in the beginning of our own ministry and at the end of our ministry. It's just before Jesus said, once he handed over his mother to John, he said, I am thirsty. You might remember Phil is here today who, wrote, who read the absolute word. He, he read, I am thirsty, one of the seven words that Jesus spoke before his passing. 
And right after I am thirsty, he says, and it is done. That was the conclusion of his ministry. Now, how do we tie all that in into our lives? That's the question, isn't it? How do we tie in a Mother Mary and what she represents in our own lives? Why is Mother Mary so important to our own spiritual growth? It's because she is essentially the one who is executing Jesus' first commandment without flaw. Jesus' first commandment is love one another. And the second one, love your enemy, right? So love one another, love your enemy. Mary, his own mother, even though he's not really acknowledging her throughout his ministry too much, really nowadays is seen as the representation of that. Mary as the divine motherhood, as number one mother from a spiritual perspective, giving us a clue who and what we are and what we could do in our lives. So these are three very different women, isn't it? We have Anne who created Mother's Day with a very simple idea in mind. I just want to honor all mothers. Nowadays, we honor Mother's Day in very different ways. Some choose to make it a little bit more spiritual. Others make it just about the flowers. I remember my mom telling me, don't you dare giving me any flowers. She forbids me, since I can remember, to give her flowers on Mother's Day. If you want to give me flowers, give it to me any other day but Mother's Day. Don't ask me why. It's just what I was taught, right? <laughs> and then Myrtle, who has that soft touch, such a great, deep understanding of our spiritual nature, who and what we truly are, and softly touches on the teachings that Charles brought to our community and then defines simply God as father and mother, both that have to coexist. And if you look at your own lives, and if you can identify certain things in your life, like the divine motherhood, like your feminine side, your masculine side, you know that if you reject one versus the other, what happens? We're going into an imbalance. But if we learn to embrace our feminine, our loving, and kindness, as much as our activity, the, the urge to do something, the intellectual side of us, the mind, when we do both, we find the beauty and balance in our lives. These are just the scriptures that you can find in your sermon notes that are related to Mother Mary. And then here is how Charles Fillmore defines the divine feminine. Typifies love in the soul not yet developed and established in substance. The unspiritualized love that's natural to the body. Now you can see why Myrtle is so much easier to get, right? <laughs> but it says that the divine feminine is potential. It's not yet manifested. It's potential in itself. If we tap into the divine feminine, it's 
all we ever want it to be. If we want to be loved, we already are that love that we seek. If we seek any of the love, the unspiritualized love, or the love in the soul, any that has to do with love and kindness and caring, it's all right there in all of us. And whenever we lack it in any way, it's not because it's not there, but because we are yet to learn to bring it into this world. And that's something we can talk about during Father's Day, because that's the father energy responsible for that. I want to uh, close today with, again, a favorite of mine. And this is contributed to, let me find it, Stephanie Moyer-Sai, who's a unity minister. And she wrote a book called Keep Our Promises. Keep Our Promises, How to Be a Guilt-Free Mother. And I used this before because I really appreciate where she's coming from. And I want to explain just a couple of things about this. I promise to be present is about stopping to multitask. A promise to lighten up is about laughter. A promise to be kind is to be randomly kind to everyone we can. A promise to tell the truth is about the practice of truthfulness. A promise to be grateful is about to be grateful for our relationships and anything we have and do. A promise to be loving is really a no-brainer, isn't it? is really expressing our divine motherhood in every moment. And then I promise to be forgiving is to do what Jesus told Peter he has to do 17 times 70 and more and more. It doesn't matter how often we need to forgive. It's our duty to do so until it's done. So when you think of your mother today, or you think of your divine motherhood, I want you to think of those promises. And just as we move into meditation, let us say these promises together. Except they just took it away. Hold on. Did you notice that I prepared really hard to go right into a beautiful flow of music? Huh? And this is what's happening. So the potential of beauty was there, but I didn't really do a good job in doing it. There we go. So let's, let's say this together. I promise to be present. I promise to lighten up. I promise to be kind. I promise to tell the truth. I promise to be grateful, I promise to be loving, and I promise to be forgiving. So let us take that into our meditation for today.
So if you have not already done so, I invite you to give your body a chance to relax. Whether you close your eyes or lower your gaze, or simply turn your attention inward. Allow yourself to become present in the here and now. Whatever your relationship is with your mother, your grandmother, being a mother or not being a mother, settle in with what resonates the most right now. Allow the meaning of motherhood to take place. Maybe it's your physical motherhood. Maybe your spiritual motherhood. Remember that we all have perfect potential to bring into this world anything we desire. So maybe you desire a better relationship with your children. More laughter with your mother, your grandmother, your family. Maybe it's too painful to think about all these, but you find it in your heart to be loving and kind regardless. Notice how the number one commandment of our way shore resonates. To love one another. Starting with ourselves, and those we are close to. To love even your enemy. Enemies that may turn out not to be that at all. For a moment, dive into your own heart. Let it surround the white roses and let it have the fire of the sun.
Bring about your divine motherhood, the feminine side. Find the heart, the potential that you already are. Recognize that in everything that we do, there is the potential to birth something new. And today, as every day, it's just a way for you to recognize, for all of us to recognize what that is. So let us find in our hearts these moments of gratitude, recognize the things that we are, the things that we have, and find a way to be grateful for that. We always close our meditation in gratitude. because it's just one step short of pure love. As we recognize what we are grateful for, we're allowing the love to be seen. And you have a chance today to talk to your mother, your grandmother, your children, to your family, take an opportunity and let them know how you feel. time before we return from our meditation, silently and quietly, join me in saying, I promise to be present, I promise to lighten up, I promise to be kind, I promise to tell the truth, I promise to be grateful, I promise to be loving, and I promise to be forgiving. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 